Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hermeneutics 101 podcast. It is Wednesday, March the 20th, 2019, and I am recording this at 3.01 p.m. Central Time. Well, this is going to be a unique episode of the Hermeneutics 101 podcast because, well, I'm not going to do what I typically do. Normally, when I pick up my iPad and hit record to record a Hermeneutics 101 podcast, well, I am prepared to teach a lesson about hermeneutics. I'm, I'm ready to, to point out how not to do hermeneutics or to give you an example of bad hermeneutics and, or possibly give you an example of good hermeneutics or, or to do maybe a hermeneutical challenge to give you something to look up, something for you to, to read and, and to work through the scriptures to try to figure out an interpretation. Now, on our app, and if you do not have our app, you need to get our app, and you can get it by going to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. Do a search for VBC 66. VBC, which stands for Victory Baptist Church and the number 66. VBC 66. Get the app, download the app, and you'll notice on our app the hermeneutics section. Now, in that section, yes, the Hermeneutics 101 podcast they get posted there. But in that section, you'll also find lectures from universities and seminaries and other content as well. So if you want everything we're doing, you need the app. But all of that is going to be very, all of that content that is normally there and that is normally uploaded to that section and is normally recorded for this podcast, all of that is going to be very different than what I intend to do today. Because today I've picked up the iPad, I've hit record to tell you about, well, a series of books. Now, I'm not telling you about these series of books because I think you should go out and read them and because I think they're wonderful. No, that is not the situation right now. The reason I'm telling you about these books is because I just saw a news article about how many copies they have sold. In fact, let me pull up the news story real quick. According to this news story, the series... Is, has sold 1.5 million copies. 1.5 million copies. Now, I know you could say, well, that's not that big a deal. That doesn't appear to be that much compared to other things. I understand that, but still, it's something that we need to pay attention to. Here's a series of books that has sold 1.5 million copies, and these books are being used in small groups around the country. It, these books are being suggested by pastors from the pulpit. They're being used in different ways within churches. They are being sold, obviously, in Christian bookstores, and they're being sold on, on online retailers as well, like Amazon and probably Christian book distributors and other Christian online retailers as well. So if you have a book that's starting to gain some popularity, selling has already sold over a million copies, may that may increase to, if it gets more notoriety, these books may start selling even more. And these books are being sold within Christianity. I always feel that it's important for all pastors and for all Christians to say, wait a minute, let me look at this book, what's in this book, and here's the key to this podcast. What is the hermeneutical method being suggested by this book? What is the hermeneutical method being promoted in the book? And, and again, the book is not going to tell you, we're, we're, we're going to use the following hermeneutical method. This is our herme hermeneutics. No, they're not going to mention the word hermeneutics. They're not going to mention anything. They're just going to give you their content. And that with that content comes biblical interpretation. How you get there 
Do you get there the right way? Do you end up with the right interpretation? Do you end up with the wrong interpretation? What will people take away when they read this Christian book? And you could just name any Christian book. What are they going to take away? Not consciously, because the book is not going to tell you, hey, this is how you're to handle the scriptures, but they're going to take it away um, just they're going to take it away almost in a subconscious way, right? Like they're they're not really going to realize. Wait a minute, um, I'm learning how to handle the scriptures. I'm learning hermeneutics. They're not going to realize they're learning them, but they are because the book is going to demonstrate a way to handle the scriptures. There have been so many books written within the Christian world that that literally. They're they're bad theology, they're bad doctrine, but most importantly, they really, again, not in a direct way, almost in a subtle, and I don't want to say deceptive because they're they're not purposely trying to deceive people. It's just no one thinks about hermeneutics. They, they mishandle the scriptures. People read those books and they learn how to mishandle the scriptures themselves. And these books are being promoted from pulpits and being promoted in small groups all the time. And I could sit here and go through a list. But I think as Christians, we need to keep up with what's happening in the Christian world. We need to kind of keep our ear to the ground. We need to we need to hear what people are saying, what people are reading, because that sometimes indicates where Christianity is headed, what what how people are thinking, what theologies could be moving to the forefront, which theologies are being questioned. We need to pay attention. And so many times the person sitting in the pew they don't have a clue what's going on within Christianity. They start getting information from the pulpit. And the pulpit, in many cases, they don't tell you, I got this from this book or I got this from this. The pastors are reading and that what they're reading influences them. And then that influence goes to those in the pew. And those in the pew have no idea where it's coming from. And then they begin to pick up new ideas, new way of believing, new ways of handling the scriptures. And it just it just creates this never-ending circle where bad theology, bad hermeneutics can spread. And, and they spread so widely, they become so common, that they literally become the language of Christianity. And if anyone raises their hand and questions that way of thinking, questions that interpretation then you're viewed as the bad person. And like, wait a minute, you you guys, Christianity literally was transformed in front of your very eyes and no one was paying any attention. Everyone was asleep at the will. But it happens. You can go throughout the different movements throughout church history, whether seeker-sensitive, whether emergent, whether you just name it. You you just name purpose-driven. You name the different movements that come within Christianity that have widespread influence on the church and Christians at large, and no one ever raises their hand and go, wait a minute, what's happening here? So if I hear about a series of books that have sold 1.5 million copies, it gets my attention. And so I'm going to bring it to your attention. And then we may have to see what we will do or not do with it. But at least we'll all be aware of it. Okay, so right now the goal is information. And then analysis, commentary about this, these books may come later. They may come from the pulpit at Victory Baptist Church because, you know, I have a tendency to just say, hey, everyone, you need to know this book. I'm just going to bring the book to the pulpit and we'll work through the book together as a congregation. I've done that before in the past, but we will see. Here's, here's what you need to know. Here's the headline. This was posted three hours ago. So this is relatively hot off the press. This is why you have the VBC 66 app so that you know what's happening in your world, okay? I wish I had a team of people recording content uh, for every section so that we could keep people informed about what's happening in the world, but that's, that's a dream. That's not a reality right now, but we will see. 
three hours ago. Code book series nearing 1.5 million sold. Now I have another article here saying at 1.5 million, so I don't know how close they are to 1.5 or if they've already gone over the 1.5 million, but this says nearing 1.5, all right? So that's okay, but we'll go with this article. Code book, because this is the most, uh, the, the newest article. Code book series nearing 1.5 million sold. Now again, I understand that number may seem insignificant, but you have to you have to pay attention to things when they're small so that we're not reacting after they blow up. Um, you have to be proactive, not reactive. I can remember when the Da Vinci Code was about to come out and I kept telling everyone, pay attention to this book, pay attention to this book, pay attention to this book. And I had pastors tell me I was wasting my time. It was never going to be anything. And well, look at that. Uh, not only did the book sell a bazillion copies, it became a movie. Yeah, glad I glad I listened to all those other pastors and didn't pay attention to it. No, I I went right to the pulpit and we addressed the book. That I mean, literally the week it came out, I was standing in the pulpit saying, "Here's what this book says. Here's how we should address it." Literally, like the week it came out, because that's the way we should do things. We have to have we have to pay attention to what's happening around us. So here's a a, a series of books called the Code Book Series that is nearing 1.5 million sold. The Code Book Series by Guidestone President O.S. Hawkins has sold more than 1 million copies since the publication of the Joshua Code, 52 scripture verses every believer should know in 2012. So the first one was the Joshua Code, 52 scripture verses every believer should know in 2012. Now, I would stop right here and say this. I have no idea the premise of these books. I do not. I don't I don't even remember this book, The Joshua Code. I don't remember this. But immediately red lights, red warning signs are going off in my head, red flags, whatever terms to use. Everything is screaming at me. That sounds like bad hermeneutics just right from the start. 52 verses you need to know in 2012. And they come from the book of Joshua? Wait a minute. What's the historical context? How many of these verses apply to what's happening then and have very little application for us? Wait, wait. 52 verses. Are these just 52 random verses from Joshua? So, uh, so, uh, and did he draw a conclusion about what these verses were teaching people in 2012? I want to go back to that book and see... Hey, did any of that come true? If they, if it was predictive, if it was trying to make a prediction, I don't know if it was, but I, I just very interesting that, you know, 52 verses, you know, every believer should know in 2012. Uh, that's, that, I guess that was the first one, 2012. I, I'm obviously way behind in Christian publishing world. I don't remember that. It had no influence in the world around me, but I don't spend a lot of time at Christian bookstores because they drive me absolutely crazy with all the heresy that is being sold in them. But that's a whole different story. I probably should spend more time. Well, they're actually going away. In fact, Lifeway uh, is to close all 170 stores and move to digital retail. So uh, Christian bookstores are going away. They're, they're going to be a thing of the past. They're no longer going to be relevant. So you can keep up with what's happening in the Christian publishing world in other ways. But 
I obviously did not pay a good enough, well, or I didn't pay attention or I completely missed this one. I probably saw a book that says by the title Joshua Code 52 Scripture Verses Every Believer Should Know in 2012. I probably shook my head, laughed, and kept walking or kept, you know, scrolling on my iPad or whatever device I was using in 2012. All right, so that's that was the first book. All author royalties and proceeds from the sale of the books benefit the mystery of mission dignity. All right, now I like that idea that they're using the the the, uh, the proceeds from these books uh, for uh, a ministry for ministry purposes. Okay, that that's gonna now that's a good thing and that's a bad thing. It's a good thing because you're like that that could impress people and they they could be more willing to buy the book because they believe they're supporting a ministry. The only bad thing is that can motivate them to buy a book that actually promotes bad hermeneutics, mishandling of God's word and maybe flat out heresy, we don't know. So uh, this 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 is a good and a bad right there. Uh, Jake Countryman, the founder of the JC Country or the J Countryman Gift Book Division of Thomas Nelson, and Laura Minshew, Senior Vice President and Publisher of Children and Gift Books at Thomas Nelson, presented Hawkins last week with a commemorative clock and small plaque making, marking the milestone. O.S. Hawkins' heart through the Code series is evident and is such a blessing to so many, Countrymen said. The books meet people at their point of need and help make Scripture come alive. Now, let's stop right there. I already have a problem. No author, no pastor, no seminary professor, no parent, no teenager, no youth director, no nursery worker, no, it, it, no Sunday school teacher of any kind, no small group leader, no one makes the scriptures come alive. No author, no pastor, no one. Because the scriptures are living and active and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That is from the book of Hebrews. The scriptures are already alive. We don't make them come alive. They're already alive. All right? So I always hate when someone says, you make the scriptures come alive. No. That would imply that they were dead. And then because of my preaching or someone else's preaching or someone else's writing, you made them come alive. No, they're already alive. If they were dead to you, well, then you've got a spiritual problem. And if you're relying on me to make the scriptures come alive, we got we have an issue. Now you could say you make the scriptures interesting, you make me understand them, you 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 make them relevant. You you could say a lot of things. Just be careful not to say they make them alive because that implies they were dead until that person picked up the Bible and preached, and that is just patently false. That's just that's just bad theology. And again, use it for people in the Christian book publishing world to make a statement like that. Okay, use it. Leave it up to someone in the Christian publishing world to make an absolutely unbiblical statement. I mean, that's shocking, isn't it? All right. Yeah, that's that goes on. But they go on to say, um, so they makes they make the scriptures come alive, which makes them easy to sell and market. For our customers to know that the author proceeds benefit such a worthy ministry like Mission Dignity, it makes selling a great series of books even more rewarding. We're thankful for the partnership we have together with OS and Susie Hawkins with the Mission Dignity. Now, just please note, yes, that's going to be a marketing tool. Hey, if you buy this book, your money goes, you know, goes to support this. 
So it, it, it motivates someone to buy the book. Again, that's a good thing. I do respect the fact that they're taking the proceeds and giving it to a ministry. I do 100% respect that. The only problem is it can become a marketing ploy to get people to buy books who never would even consider buying the books or maybe to get churches to buy bulk orders of the books so that they can see it as a donation they made to a ministry. And then, well, then they give the books out to everyone. If the books are good, great. If the books are bad, it's motivation to spread poison instead of motivation to spread truth. All right, let's see what else they have to say here. The books, according to Guidestone, has been used by hundreds of churches, hear that, of all sizes in small group settings as churchwide emphasis and in evangelistic efforts, with each book containing the plan of salvation at the end. Many business leaders have also provided copies of the books to their employees. So this is a, a thing that's spreading. It's spreading. We need to pay attention to this. Hawkins noted, we, we have heard from pastors all over the country who have taken their people through the Joshua Code to memorize scripture together, use the Christmas Code and the Easter Code as a community outreach, and others, uh, others who have tackled scripture questions from the Jesus Code or any of the other books, and what a blessing it has been to their people and their community. Now let's stop right there. All right. I, I think scripture memory is a lost art in the modern church. I don't think Christians memorize scriptures anymore. So if these books get people to memorize scripture, that is wonderful. These books should be praise for getting people to memorize scripture. But let me say something very, very clearly. Memorizing scripture without interpreting those scripture means you could be possibly memorizing a misunderstanding of Scripture. Memorizing Scripture without a proper interpretation of that Scripture means what you may be memorizing is a misinterpretation of Scripture. Let me say that again. Memorizing Scripture without a proper interpretation, a correct interpretation, a truthful interpretation of that scripture simply means you're going to memorize a misinterpretation. Because when you memorize a scripture, in your mind, you're interpreting it somehow. You're memorizing it and you're going to apply it maybe to a situation it shouldn't be applied to. I've, I've told the story a million times, I'll tell it again. I've worked, I worked with a woman. She desperately wanted to have a child. She def desperately wanted to have a baby. She was not able to get pregnant for either something with her or something with her husband. I don't know what the issue was. I think it was either a small group or in her devotional time. She read a scripture about God promising a baby to Abram and Sarah. All right, well. So she comes to work. She says, I'm memorizing this scripture and I'm claiming this scripture. And I'm like, wait a minute. You're, you're claiming this promise that God gave to Abram and, and Sarai, you, you're taking this promise and you're claiming it for yourself. Now she's memorizing it. Memorizing is wonderful, but she, she did not properly interpret it. So she was memorized. She had memorized a wrong understanding of that scripture. That promise is not for her. That promise had nothing to do with God promising her a baby at all. He was not promising her one. It was a promise to a specific people in a specific situation at a specific time. It wasn't for her. She was memorizing it wonderful, but memorizing without an, a, a correct interpretation, all you memorize is a misinterpretation. You walk around quoting a scripture and then offering up your wrong interpretation. 
scripture memory, all scripture memory must come with interpretation. It must come with how to interpret that verse, how not to rip it out of its context, how to understand in its textual context and how to understand it in its historical context. So many scripture memory programs. I don't care if it's uh, Awana where, you know, hey, get kids to memorize as many scriptures as possible and then give them, you know, let's bribe them with rewards and they can go down to the little store and get all kinds of junk. You know, let's use bribery and every other method we can to get kids to memorize scriptures with no understanding of them, no no real understanding of context or meaning, whether textual context or historical context. Just memorize them. Memorize them. Memorize them. Well, you can have someone who has David Koresh in Waco, if you remember that, the Branch Davidian situation. I live here in Texas. I remember that situation like it was yesterday, a horrible situation. People died. But according to many of the reports, and I, don't, I cannot 100% validate these because I never met him, but he had basically the Bible memorized. All right, well, guess what? His memorization of scripture was useless because he all he had memorized was a misinterpretation of all those scriptures. Right? We, we could go through different uh, cults that have memorized scripture, but it doesn't matter. Memorization must come with interpretation or all you have is, mis, is a mis, all you've memorized is a misinterpretation of the Bible. So this is wonderful that this series of books is getting people to memorize the scripture. That's wonderful. But what, what kind of interpretation is going with it? All right. Um, so it says the, the G, um, I'll read this entire paragraph again. We have heard from pastors all over the country who have taken their people through the Joshua Code to memorize scripture together, the Christmas Code, the Easter Code as, as a community outreach, the others uh, who have tackled scripture questions from the Jesus Code and, and the other books and what a blessing it has been to their people and their community. It's humbling to us that the Lord has blessed people through our books, he said. It's an honor to be able to share every penny uh, of our author, Arthur royalties and proceeds with good and godly people who have the opportunity to serve through mission dignity. All right. Um, and then it, it goes on, talks about mission dignity a little bit, um, which is a, uh, which is, okay. Well, it just goes through their history and we won't go through their entire history. It says later in 2019, the passion code, 100 days with Jesus will debut in 2020, the Bible code, finding Jesus in every book of the Bible will be released as with previous works, all author royalties and proceeds will benefit Mission Dignity. So we're going to have a book in 2019. We're going to have a book in 2020. So this is a series that is not going away. It's got a built-in way to motivate people to buy the books because the, the proceeds are going to a, 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 a ministry. It's being used, it's being promoted by pastors, it's being used in churches, it's being used as an entire congregation and in small groups, it's being even used for evangelistic outreach. This is a book, this is a series of book that, books that we need to take some time to get to know. So this is what I'm going to challenge everyone to do. I challenge everyone to track down a copy of, let me make sure I get the exact title, The Joshua Code. 52 scripture verses every believer should know in 2012. The Joshua Code, 52 scripture verses every believer should know in 2012. Get a copy of that book. You can probably find it on Amazon. I don't have no idea. I've not even looked yet. Let's get a copy of that book. Now, what I'm going to try to do is I will either try to record some Hermeneutics 101 podcast or what I may do 
what I may do is uh, preach a series of messages where we work through that book from the pulpit at Victory Baptist Church, and those messages will be posted in the sermon uh, section of our app. So if you don't have our app, you're not going to be able to follow along with everything. So get our app, go to the Apple App Store, Google Play, VBC66, VBC66, download the app. There's plenty, there'll, there'll be plenty of content there to keep you interested, even if you hate me. But what we're going to do is we're going to investigate these series of books. We're going to try to be fair. We're going to try to be balanced. But we're going to try to look at these books in light of hermeneutics, biblical interpretation, and try to determine, are these books a good thing or are they a bad thing? We're going to be fair. We're going to be blunt. We're going to be direct. And if the books are good, we will promote them all day every day. If they're horrible, we're going to warn people to stay away from them. And if they're just kind of in the middle with some good and some bad, then we will share that information as well. We're not, I, the good thing about doing this this way is I'm not beholden by any advertisers. I don't have to worry about anyone giving me any money. I, I don't have to worry about any of that. So I may offend all kinds of people. You may go to a church that has used these books and you never even thought to consider them from a hermeneutical perspective. I'm not here to attack you. I'm not here to attack your church. I'm not here to offend anyone, but I am here to try to figure out these books they're sold 1.5 or around 1.5 million copies. More books are coming. Pastors are using them. Small groups are using them. Congregations are using them. We need to know what's in them. And then we'll use them almost as a, as a, um, a class exercise on how to do hermeneutics. We will see what we discover. All right. So let me give you that homework again. Go track down right now. The Joshua Code. 52 scripture verses every believer should know in 2012. Now, I'm, I'm assuming that those 52 verses, um, I, I believe uh, every scripture, every, every Christian, every believer should know those scriptures in 2019 just as well as they did in 2012. Don't know why you would limit the power of those scriptures to a year because those scriptures are valuable because all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for rebuke. Okay, all the things the Bible says the Bible is good for. It's true whether no matter what year, but I guess sometimes that was maybe a publishing way. Hey, these 52 verses, let's get everyone to read them in 2012. And I don't know, do they have any speci special significance to that year? We won't know until we read the book and see exactly how this information is presented. The Joshua Code, 52 scripture verses every believer should know in 2012. Get the book. Start looking at it. If you've already used the book, if you've read the book, if your church has used this book, if you know something about this book, if you know other people who are using these books, please email me immediately at newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Give me all the information what you found out, what you know about the books, what you think about the books. Now, now you may think they're wonderful. And then the next message, I may offend you all day. I, I'm, not gonna, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not here to please people. I'm here to try to figure out the truth. We've got to examine these books and see what's in them. Because so many times pastors stand in pulpits and recommend books that are poison. And pastors and shepherds should not be giving poison to the sheep. 
We should be telling them what's in it. Now, we may want those people to read and examine it for themselves, but we give them the tools to be able to do so. We don't sit there and say, hey, eat this. It's wonderful if it's poison. I don't know. These books may be wonderful and I could be completely wrong. Well, I'm not I'm not giving a judgment yet. I'm not giving a judgment. Um, but I'm at least bringing this to everyone's attention because like me, I didn't know anything about these books. I see a news article. I thought, hey, I'm going to bring it to everyone's attention. All right. I'll stop right there. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hermeneutics 101 podcast. This is the podcast that deals with everything related to the interpretation of the Bible. As Christians, we not only want to read it, not only do we want to study it, but we must interpret it correctly. And there's a right way and there's a wrong way. And we must understand and learn those methods and those skills so that we can be good biblical interpreters. Too many Christians are running around quoting scripture, memorizing scripture, reading scripture, yet they seem to completely misunderstand it because they're not being taught hermeneutics from their churches in their local congregations. They're not being taught in any, not in a meaningful way. And if you, if you challenge pastors on that, like, well, I can't get all deep. I mean, this is not a seminary. This is a, this is a church. Okay. Well, if it's not a seminary and it's a church, don't, doesn't the people who don't go to seminary need to know how to interpret the Bible, just like the people who go to seminary or what you're telling me is that the people are not allowed to interpret the Bible. Only the seminary educated can. And so what the people really need to do is just come to church and listen to your interpretation because you're the only one who can do it because you have a seminary degree. And all those poor people who don't go to seminary, they're too dumb to learn hermeneutics. They really can't handle it. I hate that way of thinking. I hate that mentality. You should be able to teach the people. Everything a pastor learns in seminary should be able to be taught to the people in the pew. You just have to do it maybe in a little different way, present it in a different way. But you can get that information across and it's up to you to make it, teach it in a way that they can get and they can understand. And and I always say this. Stop acting like your people are dumb. Stop stop looking down upon your people like they can't get it. It's too much for them. It's too deep. Don't be so arrogant to think you got it, but they couldn't. I, most pastors, if you were able to understand it, yeah, I don't think you're that much smarter than the people that you're standing in front of. In fact, in many cases, they're probably smarter than you. I know there's people in my church who are smarter than me. That's perfectly okay. No reason to feel you know, threatened by their intelligence. Be glad that they're coming and do everything you can to listen to their questions and do everything you can to try to be as smart as you can so that you don't you don't waste their time, but you still make things intellectually challenging to the smartest person in your church. And you're still challenging everyone else who may struggle with a couple of concepts. You work with them until they get those concepts. It's just, I could go into a whole whole message about pastors' attitudes towards what is taught in church. Drives me crazy, the attitude you hear coming from some pastors. All right, we're going to do a work, uh, a series. We're going to do some work on this book. I don't know what it's going to turn into. Sermon series, lessons here in the Hermeneutic 101 podcast. I don't know where it's going to end up. Get our app. You can get, get access to whatever we uh, discuss in regards to this book. And these books, I should say, plural. And well, we're going to, we're going to, di- we're going to, Dig in, do some research, find out what the truth is with or without offense to friend or foe. That's what I can promise you. All right, everyone have a great day. God bless. Mm-hmm.